Chapter Twenty Five of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As was entirely natural, Mr. Hobbs called for his umbrella on the following evening. He did not, he explained to Monsieur Desaye, wish to put any one to the trouble of returning the parapluie, which he was only too happy to have had with him for the service of the ladies. Monsieur Desaye knew of no such umbrella. He searched among his own without success. But would not Monsieur Hobbs do him the honour of entering his humble abode? His daughter Madeleine, who was at the moment visiting their amiable neighbour Mademoiselle Dubois-Bennet, might know about the umbrella. And this put him in mind of the singularly interesting discovery he had made with regard to Miss Malvina's ancestry. It was pleasant to be able to relate the piquant incident in his own tongue, which the young Englishman understood without difficulty. And so, for the better part of an hour, the father of Madeleine discoursed at length on the amazing tout ensemble of the so-called American, born of many nations, yet resembling none. Even the German-American, Monsieur Desay pulled a wry face at the hyphenate word, frequently exhibited small traces of his deplorable Teuton blood. Did Monsieur Hobbs, par exemple, number any such person among his acquaintance? Mr. Hobbs hesitated. Here was the appropriate dagger, its handle toward his hand. Should he use it? Was it not indeed his duty to warn the unworldly father of Madeleine that a certain bounder, he could think of no other descriptive adjective for the rude and bucolic Harry. A German, never mind the American, even now threatened his domestic peace. His newly acquired sense of duty and the stern Kitchener code of honour struggled together for an instant. He determined upon a safe middle course. Far be it from a Kitchener Hobbs to meanly retaliate upon his rival, but to instil a proper amount of caution into the receptive mind of Monsieur de Say need not collide with the strictest manual of deportment. <clears throat> well, I, uh, since you ask me, sir, I will say that I do know such a person. <clears throat> Young Hobbs grew uncomfortably hot inside his starched collar. How was he to convey the much-needed warning without actual hypocrisy. Monsieur Desay eyed him intently. Ah, he ejaculated softly. And what, pray, do you think of him? I don't like him, sir, said Mr. Hobbs sternly. Naturellement, agreed the Frenchman with a shrug. Kitchener Hobbs frowned at his boots, which were impeccably polished. Then suddenly his brow cleared, he had determined upon a bold course, one which would give him the right to speak unreservedly to the father of Madeleine. The fact is, sir, he blurted out, I love your daughter. I hope you have no objections. You love my daughter? And you are hope I've no objection? Monsieur Desay's tone was carefully modulated, his smile might even be construed as encouraging. I'm not rich, modestly admitted Mr. Hobbs, but I'm clean and honest. 
I'm an Englishman. My mother is American. Allons, you are also of that mélange, tant bon que mauvais. The Englishman reddened angrily. Better English-American than German-American, he said stiffly. But why either? inquired Monsieur Desaye, pleasantly impersonal. I return to France. My daughter also. Enfin, she marries a Frenchman. It is my purpose. You forget that your daughter is beautiful, and that she's unprotected from the advances of even Germans in a country where, as you say, the good and the bad are mixed in pretty even proportions. It was Monsieur Desaye's turn to redden angrily. You will, of your goodness, explain yourself, monsieur, he said with ominous politeness. Do you chance to know a fellow who calls himself Le Noir? asked Hoddy Hobbs, casting altruism and the Kitchener Code to the winds. Henri Le Noir? Or young, eh, of a ruddy complexion? Certainement. I have attempted to teach him French. Did you succeed, sir? Monsieur Desaye drew his brows together. Many things recurred to his agile memory. He linked them swiftly into one sinister whole. Ah, he exhaled lightly between closed teeth. You are telling me that young man is... I have been duped, deceived. What is it you say? His name, stated Kitchener Hobbs distinctly, is Schwartz, Heinrich Schwartz. He told me so himself. He's somehow managed to win the confidence of your daughter. And you ought to know it, sir. He walked home with Madeleine last night. Dead silence followed these correlated statements. The father of Madeleine opened and closed his sinewy fingers two or three times, while the veins on his forehead swelled visibly but he did not burst into excited recriminations. His eyes, very bright and rather unpleasant to contemplate, were fixed immovably upon an odd bit of faience representing a Dutch woman in a winged cap carrying balanced water jugs. Uh, <coughs> I fancy I've made a bally ass of myself, stammered Kitchener Hobbs, hating the Dutch woman with ardour. But I, I thought, it seemed to me... Monsieur Desay arose. Monsieur, he said, permit me to thank you. Ah, regrettable, you cannot of your goodness pay me a longer visit. Bonsoir, monsieur. Good night. His smile was pervasive, irresistible. Young Hobbs found himself wafted, as it were, on waves of goodwill and friendly cordiality to the front door, which closed gently very gently behind him. Outside in the cool darkness, Mr. Hobbs took brief counsel with himself. Confound a Frenchman anyway, he muttered, and permitted himself a brief though refreshing interval of impersonal criticism. Every Briton is of course aware of the inherent insincerity of the French character, slippery being the favourite descriptive adjective. One never knew where to find a Frenchman, he told himself banally. 
upon further reflection during which young hobbs passed his late conversation with m desaye in swift review he perceived that his bold declaration of love for madeleine had hopelessly muddled the situation she'll hate me for telling he concluded simply there was but one course of action which suggested itself under existing circumstances he resolved to follow it miss malvina opened the door to his agitated ring good gracious she exclaimed as she recognized her visitor if it ain't you hoddy hobbs oh walk right in do mr hobbs inwardly resented miss bennett's familiar use of his mother's undignified abbreviation of the magnificent horatio herbert he detested the name hoddy but he walked in aware of madeleine's light laugh in the room beyond i got your umbrella all safe said miss malvina my i don't know what we'd a done without it with ma's rheumatism and all it certainly was real sweet o you to remember ma and me i was just saying to madeline there ain't many young fellers i says would give us a thought she stood on tiptoe to whisper in his ear i put in a good word for yardy oh my ain't she a lovely girl but you'll have to watch out or harry schwartz'll cut you out he's an awful nice boy harry is i knowed him since he was in dresses prettiest little feller ye ever see wi yeller curls down on his shoulders and the pinkest cheeks oh my <clears throat> i wish to speak to mr say said mr hobbs stiffly i was told she was here wanna know wondered miss malvina her pa must a told you she just run in for a couple of minutes to bring ma some gaiters that's what she calls them little cakes with a raisin on top here's your umbrella and your hat right on top of it so's you can't forget it come to bow madeline home you'll be so excited you'll likely forget you ever owned one madeline blushed when she beheld the pale stern face of kitchener hobbs he had an air of mastery about him which caused a vague but agreeable shiver to pass over her speak of angels announced miss malvina joyously and you'll catch the flutter of their wings wasn't we just talking about hardy hobbs sit right down closest to ma hardy so she can hear what you're saying and i was telling em what a nice neat boy you was never giving your ma any trouble but mr hobbs declined the chair miss malvina kindly cleared of sewing materials for him madeline had retreated toward the door with a murmured explanation which concerned her father alone and missing her oh i guess your pa can get along without you for a spell longer protested ma bennett don't go yet a while miss malvina winked knowingly at ma she had witnessed the exchange of glances between hoddy hobbs and madeline with a youthful quickening of her own pulses why ma she said after she had closed the front door on the two if you weren't blinder and a bat you could see he was a paying attention to madeline didn't you take notice how red she got when he come in and he fairly et her up with his eyes miss malvina sighed plaintively my it must be awful nice to be young and handsome and have a bow 
don't know as I ever had one. Oh, yes, you did too, Malviny, contradicted Ma. Don't you remember? There was Obed Salter. Oh, yes, scoffed Miss Malvina. Obed come home with me from prayer meeting once after his first wife died. I wouldn't look at that old widower no more than I could fly. No, sir, not if he was the last man on earth. And there was a feller named Peck, went on Ma eagerly. He was... Oh, there ain't no use in raking up them old memories, interrupted Miss Malvina almost pettishly. I got an autograph album up in the attic. I remember we passed it round in school, and all the boys wrote opposite the girls they liked best. George Beals wrote opposite me. Then he went off and courted Addie Myers. <laughs> but my goodness, I'd no more married undertaker George Beals, not if he was a last man. The loud whir of the sewing machine drowned further reminiscences. But Miss Malvina's cheeks were almost as pink as Madeleine's when she finally drew down the shades preparatory to going to bed. There was a young moon in the sky, companioned by a single bright star. Miss Malvina sighed as she gazed. It made her think of Madeline and Hoddy Hobbs. My, she repeated wistfully, it must be awful nice to be young and have a bow. There was a light burning steadily in the window of her neighbour's house. It finally drew her eyes from a contemplation of the heavenly luminaries. Whatever would he do if Madeline was to take a notion to get married? she asked the cat. Then she put a nail into its worn hole above the sash and shut the outer world from view. Wondering as she did so, what Hoddy Hobbs could be saying to Madeline out there in the moonlight. In her youth, which seemed a great way off, Miss Malvina had never walked under moonlit trees with a young man, and now, with a curious, unaccustomed ache, she wished she had. Just once, so I could look back and remember it, she murmured humbly, as she blew down the chimney of her kerosene lamp. But Madeleine had appeared wholly indifferent to her superior opportunities as she walked quickly down Miss Malvina's gravelled path. With every light footfall, young Kitchener Hobbs beheld his immediate opportunity of putting himself right with her slipping away. If she should see her father first, yet it seemed impossible to speak. <clears throat> oh, I, I say he managed to murmur huskily as they reached her own gate, a short distance from Miss Malvina's. Bonsoir, said Madeleine sweetly. Quick, I made track for home. Not yet. Please, I must speak to you. The girl paused with the tentative air of a bird on a wind-swept bough. Oh, Madeleine, I love you, and I have told your father, but he and... I, wait, you must listen. I've something more to tell you. He strove boldly to detain her, but she shut the gate between them. I have now to hurry, she said, retreating from his questing hand. You hear that Dolores sing nine heures? 
There was no denying the brazen clang of the town clock. You'd better not go into your father till you've heard what I have to say, he sent after her desperately. You'll be sorry if you do. Oh, bien, quick, you tell. I wait one minute. Oh, Madeleine, don't be so cruel. If you knew how I love you. It is most extraordinaire, this love. I love, you love, he love, like lesson in grammar anglaise. Me, I not like to study. No. She shook her head with a tantalizing laugh. Madeleine, why did you allow that fellow with two names to walk home with you last night? demanded Mr. Hobbs, in a tone which he vainly strove to make elderly and impersonal. Really, that sort of thing won't do. Why not, please? Because, can't you understand that a man who deceives his employers by using an alias isn't to be trusted? especially when he's a German and in a munitions factory. He is not German. Harry, he is American. Very much star and stripe that Harry. You think I am baby? So you call him Harry, commented Mr. Hobbs grimly. Why not Heinrich? That's his real name, Heinrich Schwartz. And his other name? Police? Lenoir. The fellow actually has the impudence to call himself Lenoir at the plant. Of course, I told your father. I had to do it. Can't you see? Schwartz may be a dangerous fellow. Young Kitchener Hobbs' voice shook with twofold passion. Madeleine, elusive as mist, seemed about to vanish into the night. Hear me out, he called after her. You shall. Very much, I hear you. Miss Malvina and my father's all see so loud you holler. Me, I am not deaf as post. But you seem so far away. Oh, listen, Madeleine. It is because I love you. Because I want you to be my wife. I can't bear to see you deceived by... She was gone. There could be no doubt of it. The door opened, showing an oblong of yellow lamplight, and then closed. For an irresolute minute he stood staring at the little old house beneath its canopy of swaying trees. Suppose he should storm that closed door, should insist on being heard, in French, in English, or in the absurd patois Madeleine chose to speak. After all, what more could he say? He had at least made his motives clear, and from his present entrenched position as the declared lover of Madeline, he would not easily be dislodged. To Harry Schwartz he gave but a single disdainful thought. "'He's the sort of bounder,' said Kitchener Hobbs, "'who attempts to cover his misdeeds with the stars and stripes and calls himself an American.'" End of chapter 25